The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 32, with Jonathan Avalos. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and I'm super excited to bring on Jonathan Avalos. He is the owner of Athletic Golf Fitness located in Charlotte, North Carolina. So welcome to the show, Jonathan. Hey, thanks for having me on, Joe. Jonathan, why don't you just give us a, a background on yourself, kind of how you got into the golf fitness world and kind of what you're doing now? Yeah, so um, so I guess kind of going back, uh, I played a lot of sports kind of growing up. I grew up in Texas, so, you know, football is like everything out there. Um, and it was just one of those things where, you know, just I had some really good coaches around me. I wasn't always, I wasn't the best athlete, but I just had some good coaches who kind of, kind of talked me up, uh, made fitness, fitness was like huge and um, just worked really hard. And so I just kind of enjoyed that and I enjoyed all the confidence that it gave me and, and felt like, you know, I could do that for somebody else. And so that was kind of my goal, you know, initially getting into the fitness kind of world. Or my, where my career kind of began. Um, I was really just kind of working with just your everyday kind of general pop, you know, and, uh, and slowly but surely, like, I kind of found out that the majority of my clients ended up playing golf. And so I started kind of get, going into that niche of seeing what I could do to kind of help them out and got certified with CPI. And, and um, I really felt like their certification kind of lined up with the way that I coached and that, you know, their mantra is like, there's a thousand ways to swing a golf club, but there's one specific way for you to swing a golf club. And, and just the way that I ended up kind of interact with my clients and trying to get them the best results. I felt like and there's tons of ways to train them, but I'm always trying to look for what's the best way to kind of train that individual person as far as the personality and, and, you know, their history as far as like injuries or pain or just movement itself. Um, and then just as I kept on diving more into TPI, I started, I had a, I had a colleague who gave me some golf clubs and I was terrible at golf. <laughs> it's like, it's like the main sport that like, just like, I'm, I'm just, I just can't figure it out for whatever reason. And, um, and which is, it's, it's really cool. Cause it's more of like, it kind of reminds me of just whenever I was growing up and trying to figure out, you know, how can I, how can I become a better athlete if I'm not, you know, the biggest or fastest or strongest guy, like, what do I need to do in order to, you know, just kind of better myself instead of, you know, trying to compare myself to somebody else. It's trying to figure out, okay, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? Um, and then how do I take advantage of those or, or kind of limit those things as far as like the, you know, weaknesses go. Um, and, and so it's more of like this big puzzle that I'm always trying to solve. You know, I say it's for my clients, but I'm selfishly on them. Um, in, in that, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, okay, if I need to, you know, rotate better, or if I need to try to hit this kind of shot, you know, what do I need to do? And, you know, what kind of restrictions it might happen or show up in my body or my movement. And then, um, and so it's, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's more of just kind of a passion of trying to figure out this, this puzzle that doesn't seem like an, it's like a, a Rubik's cube. I can't really, I can't solve it, but I get pretty close for the most part. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where, you know, I started and kind of where I'm at right now, as far as, you know, um, just kind of working with call, uh, with golfers, I say the majority of my clientele is probably, um, I mean, at this point, it's probably 80% golfers. I would say I would say a little bit more, but I would say, you know, I have people that play, but they don't play. They're not obsessed like the other 80% of the people that have are. Nice. So um, 
you see people in person and online, I believe. And yep. then you're based out of Charlotte. I would assume that you have a good amount of, I mean, you just said 80, maybe a little bit more than 80% of golfers in terms of your clientele. The rest I assume are just general pop for the most part. Yeah. For the most, yeah, for the most part. Um, I have one client who said he, he's, he's paid the most per round out of anybody. I think he's, he's been a member at this one club for 35 years and I think he's only played like three times, you know? So I'll get people like that, that it's, you know, they go out, you know, every once in a while, but I say the majority of the clientele that I have, um, are just serious, you know, either in, in that they're trying to play in college or they're playing in college or they're trying to play on tour or, um, or they're just, you know, just still competitive and they're in their fifties and they're trying to, you know, take advantage of this, uh, win every every club championship they can um so yeah that's the majority of my clientele awesome so you you know you like you said you have gotten tpi certified you've really fell into and your your treatment philosophy or practice philosophy kind of lined up with theirs in terms of again there's not one way to just swing a golf club you know there's thousands of ways to swing a golf club but it's all specific to you so how do you what other kinds of things have you learn throughout the years that you incorporate to your practice other than just like TPI. I know like, um, for people who don't know, you and I are in a golf fitness mastermind together and you did a presentation on breathing and how that yeah. incorporates a lot of stuff. I don't know if you have delved into the world of PRI or, or other things, but kind of talk about that and just some other of your influences of how you work with people. Yeah. And so, um, normally like I, I always try to pick them on just patterns right and trying to figure out okay what what are my golfers kind of presenting more of and i feel like the majority of my clients uh kind of struggle with that early extension um where they're kind of you know standing up too soon or they're kind of losing their posture um and they all have difficulty getting onto that left side you know so they they tend to have this kind of high center of uh of gravity that they kind of play with and then they end up having a lot of a lot of like lateral movement in their golf swing instead of rotational movement and so i started kind of looking into that um, and just like kind of going back into like, like Jonda and like the whole upper and lower cross syndrome where you start kind of seeing this, you know, this, a lot of like extension or this position. Um, and so I started kind of looking into why is that, you know, like, why is it that people play with this high center of gravity and a lot of lateral movement, and then kind of seeing just a lot of people who have a lot of extension in their low back, or they kind of have that like, uh, S posture or C posture. Um, and then that's where I started kind of getting into, into PRI and starting to kind of look at the body um more so from you know we're not built symmetrically right and so kind of understanding you know what are those what are those asymmetries and then how how do those influence the golf swing and how do those you know negatively influence the golf swing and, and how does that tie into the people that i'm seeing um and so for pri it's you know it's kind of more of they try to influence you to kind of get to this neutral position or just not have so much of an exaggerated asymmetry i guess you could say um and so we can use breathing to kind of help um, improve that symmetry, or we can kind of just look at, you know, from, from most golfers, we kind of look at you from, they have a big right side bias and then they kind of hang out on their right side, right shoulder is going to be tilted down, right hip is going to be externally rotated, left shoulder is going to be tipped up and then left, left hip is going to be kind of more internal, internally rotated. Um, and you can kind of see from most golfers that, you know, that kind of puts you into this good position, maybe to take a backswing but you kind of feel like you get stuck there, you know, and then all of a sudden now you have these ribs that are kind of flaring up instead of a diaphragm and a pelvis that are kind of centered on top of each other, kind of working as a forced couple. So we have tension in our core or tension in the right areas. And then all of a sudden, you know, they stand up and they kind of slide versus, you know, staying down and then rotating through. And so 
using some of the techniques to kind of help somebody get off of the right side or maybe get onto the left side or maybe help, you know, so that they don't have this, they're not in this extended posture and all of a sudden now, you know, they're not using that their low back and they're able to actually facilitate, you know, more of the front side of their the front side and they can use their abs more than using the back, I guess that's the way I say it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, um, I've just only started to delve into the world of PRI and just basically what you said, like everyone seems to be more right side to dominant, right? Cause we have more stuff on that side and there are patterns, I guess, that they have found without getting too deep into the woods here, um, that are dominant in a lot of people, not always the case, but trying to fire more on that left side, certain muscle groups compared to, um, things that seem to be overactive, right. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I think they kind of look at it from, you know, you kind of look, they look at it really kind of from this twisted position, right. And that like, uh, we kind of just look at organs. We have a heart on our left side, then the stomach and then our liver on the right, you know, so we kind of have this, you know, kind of cross pattern here. And then all of a sudden now my diaphragm has three attachment points on the right side versus two attachment points on the left side. So you can kind of think of it from like this tug of war kind of perspective, right. And then I'm being kind of pulled in to this kind of right side, or I kind of have this kind of LL Cool J kind of stance where I'm kind of hanging out here, you know, just because, um, you know, it's, it's more comfortable, you know, on that side. And then all of a sudden, now you start to pattern that. Um, and, and, and even, you know, kind of going into the talk that I gave to our mastermind group, um, I was really kind of talking about just kind of in, in the world we're in now in the state that we're in now, and just kind of seeing how stressed out people are and, you know, having to wear mask all the time and how that can just kind of influence breathing or really restricted. And all of a sudden they get people who are, who are stressed out and they can't just inhale through their nose and breathe out the way they're supposed to. So they kind of get stuck more so in this kind of inhaled position where my, you know, my ribs are going to be more um, upwardly rotated, you know? And so I think now you can kind of start to see how, you know, those positions and just kind of the stress and, and kind of world we're living in right now can influence those patterns even more so and kind of draw somebody more into a dysfunctional pattern than, than, than otherwise. So I have a question more for myself, but I'm sure other people, right. If this is just me wanting to know, but if, if we're asymmetrical and if maybe you can answer this, if we're asymmetrical and PRI is trying to get us more symmetrical, right. They're not trying to correct anything because we can't necessarily correct that. Right. I mean, we can't change certain things. But what is the overarching goal of some of the drills that they're trying to do? Again, I know it's trying to bring more symmetry, but um, in your experience, like how long would you say that that those drills may help someone last for, right? Because I mean, just like anything, doing something for 30 seconds isn't going to last for a long time, right? It's probably going to, you know, put in some work and stuff. But how, how beneficial are some of these drills that you found? Yeah, well, you know, that's, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I, I think of it more so just kind of like in the realm of like training, right? And then it's just one tool and then it's not everything, you know? Right. And so I think of it more of like a nervous system technique okay. um, than, than I do anything else. And we can do kind of certain things where you can put, you can elevate one foot. So all of a sudden now I'm kind of, I'm, un, you know, I'm shifting my weight over onto one side, you know? So if I'm always, if I'm really stuck on my right side, I might put something underneath my right foot so that now all of a sudden I can shift yep. my weight to my left side. Um, the big thing about it, I think more than anything else is I just kind of try to see where does it fit in just kind of in the training protocol. Right. And, sure. and so I think normally for me, I would, I would get somebody to kind of foam roll, um, beforehand. And then right after that, all of a sudden now we're kind of going into that nervous system of kind of trying to tap into it a little bit. So if somebody's super stressed out, we're kind of going through some breathing drills 
or if they have this really, you know, right side bias, we might put something, you know, in between their legs and really just try to get their pelvis kind of underneath them right before we start going into some activation drills. So I'll go foam roll, then I'll, I'll try to do some kind of nervous system training. Um, we'll do some activation drills with mobility drills and then kind of get into, you know, like a power and then strength training and then kind of go into like uh, recovery. And I think that's one of the things that is probably just missing more than anything else is that, especially lately, I think I've been trying to add in more um, just recovery at the end of my sessions of just kind of going, you know, like, hey, let's do like a 90-90 where your feet are against the wall. You're kind of in this 90-90 position with your hips, knees and ankles against the wall, kind of like an Agassiz method. Um, and some people, you know, I might have them you know, take their right foot off the wall a little bit so they can get a little bit more left hamstring um, or just leave them in that position and have them go through some breathing drills. And kind of going back into what we kind of said beforehand, I have some people that they're just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do this. And that and that might even like stress them out more than it does like to help recover them, right? Because they're like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Like, I don't know how to breathe, you know? Uh, I don't want to spend five minutes doing this. Um, and so then I'll, I'll use like a fair gun on, on somebody like that, you know? So it's really trying to figure out, you know, who, who's in front of me. Um, and then, you know, is this really negatively negatively affecting, I can't talk there, negatively affecting uh, their performance? You know, is it, is it kind of pulling them into more of a dysfunctional pattern? You know, can it like, how much do we have to incorporate this to kind of help improve their performance? Um, and then is this, you know, how long is this going to stick with that person too? So if I'm spending, they only see me for two days out of the week and they do one day on their own and they're not doing anything else, you know, and I know they're not kind of totally bought into the whole thing. You know, I, I might, you know, use more of it as, as far as kind of in the training, you know, so if we have like cable presses with one hand, I might just put something underneath their, you know, in between their legs, like a foam roller and have them squeeze onto it. All of a sudden now their pelvis is kind of shifted underneath them. And then now as they're doing, you know, rotational exercises, they're not over rotating because of that, you know, that twisted position we're kind of talked about, right? So my torso is kind of twisted and my pelvis is kind of shifted in the other direction. And then I'm causing somebody to rotate, you know, unilaterally, right? With the weight, you know, weight on one side and not on the other. And it, it's kind of forcing them into a bad pattern. And then all of a sudden they're going to get more movement in their low back. So just trying to figure out, um, how can I sneak it in there without them really knowing that we're kind of working on that stuff? Um, and that's kind of my goal. It's just, you know, it's just, it's like, I, I tell my clients, it's like, uh, vegetables for my kids, right? I'm just trying to figure out, you know, like I, you need to eat more vegetables and there's certain vegetables that you don't like, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to have them. It's just that, you know, I'm just going to try to find sneaky ways to kind of put them in certain areas or like, you know, food or like, you know, exercises in this, in this case. Um, so that you're, you're still benefiting from it without, you know, fighting against it. I think that was, first of all, that was a great analogy. Two, I think basically everything that you just said has to go along the lines of how much um, on our end, like this is not just a science, but it's also an art, right? Like you have to figure out what the person is in front of you, but are they stressed out that day? Are they, um, right. are they bought into your system or all of, all of your training philosophy, right? Like some people may not want to lay there and breathe for five minutes. They may be like, well, this is stupid. Like, why, why am I doing this? Right. Right. Yeah. And like you said, you did the complete opposite. Basically it's like, all right, well, I'm going to Theragun you. And I can see in my head how that person who doesn't want to lay there and do breathing for five minutes would love a Theragun. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Um, I think all my clients would probably resist against breathing and just kind of use the Theragun. Um, but I think most of them, I mean, I had some people that are just like, they, like we'll kind of do some tests and then try to, you know, basically it's kind of like a test, retest mm -hmm. measure, you know? Um, 
our test measure then retest um and then they can kind of see like oh this is really like this is this is me this is why like i'm having that shoulder pain or i can't internally rotate my head so we kind of go through some breathing drills and they're they're completely bought in because they right. just understand the process and they know it and then some other people are just kind of like um i hate working out but i want to get better at golf and i know this is going to help and and so yeah it is it's kind of like you said it's kind of like this art of coaching and kind of understanding who's in front of you um and then kind of how far you can kind of take them into those you know um into the how far you can go and kind of go into that rabbit hole like all right I'm, we're going to really dive into pri or we're going to just kind of sneak it in here and there um so yeah it is it's it's it, it's a, it's hard to kind of like navigate through that but i think um i think when you just try to you know just kind of look at the person and try to figure out okay how can yeah how can they benefit the most from it i think that's when you kind of start to figure out you know what you can add and what you what you need to take out nice when um when it comes to to just breathing and in general, I mean, we all know obviously it's important. It's involuntary, helps us stay alive and whatnot. But when you do have some of that pushback, say, or or say someone you you would feel would really benefit from breathing or doing some more of those various techniques, even just to get like a better pelvic position, you know, kind of a stacked position with their rib cage. Um, what are just some general techniques that you that you give to people or, or if anyone's listening at home as best as you can describe some simple things that maybe they could do um, to help with just understanding that position. Yeah. You know, um, so lying down is probably going to be the easiest way to kind of work on breathing. So I'll have somebody lie down on um, their legs bent. And so the legs are kind of bent, they're on the ground and towards them. And normally I'll just place a sandbag on top of their stomach and then have them just kind of take some breaths in and out. And a lot of times it, it kind of, it's, it's, it's a good exercise, but it's really good just for them kind of seeing, you know, how they are breathing. And so we want that, you know, that that's kind of rise up. So the sandbag kind of looks more like a pump kind of coming up. And so if they're breathing in and it's not rising up then we kind of know that they're kind of using their chest a little bit more. So they're using these accessory muscles more than they are using their core. And then trying to get them to feel like they can get that sandbag to rise up and then depress back down and rise up and press back down. Um, that that's going to be like the easiest thing. And then we'll kind of start to dive into just kind of like how your breathing is, you know, from like, you know, that it's kind of this 3d expansion, but the easiest thing to do, I, I would say if, if you're listening or if you're just trying to start off to see, you know, like, am I breathing correctly? Am I not breathing correctly? Um, is, you know, put sandbag on your stomach and then start to kind of take, you know, inhale and exhale and see if that thing starts to move or not, if it doesn't move uh, and then trying to figure out, you know, as I inhale, it should rise up. And then as I exhale, it should, it should depress. And then we can kind of, you know, from there, we can kind of just take it up to where their le their legs would be up and then eventually their hands would be reaching back behind them. And then we can kind of add resistance bands or, you know, some kind of weighted instrument um, in their hands to kind of get a little more, you know, um, abs on, I guess is the easiest way to say it, right? Yep. No, I think that's great, especially like the weighted sandbag. I normally just tell people to do like their hands, one on the chest, one on their belly, you know, try to get that feedback a little bit. But I like the sandbag. That's even more feedback, right? It forces you to to have to push up against it. And then it also helps bring it back down, which I think is really helpful because some people just don't understand, um, you know, quote unquote, a correct breathing pattern. Um, right. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy at how much, um, people use their accessory muscles and then like, they're like, man, my neck hurts or I feel so tight up here, all this stuff. It's like, cause you're using all these muscles every day to do something that they don't, they shouldn't really be doing. Yeah. That's a, uh... Well, it's so funny because like for me, 
it's like breathing is like the golf swing right it's like it's it's so easy to like overthink it like it's like all right how am i supposed to breathe again like can you walk me through this um and so yeah it is i mean it's so funny how we can just kind of use these accessory muscles uh to kind of help facilitate that and then you know the biggest thing is just kind of bringing awareness to it and, and, and them understanding okay this is um like this is a problem and i can definitely fix it and then fixing this it kind of fixes other things too and so um it's easy to it's easy to cheat it is just like anything right i mean everything it's really easy to cheat anything in the body the the body takes the path of least resistance every single time and right yeah uh that could be a good thing or not a not so good thing especially when it comes to uh the golf swing right yeah what are doubt. some um other drills that you like to utilize for some of your people like you said you find a lot of people end up early extending or losing their posture which i'd say is pretty common uh, for the most part in terms of like a swing characteristic that we see um but what are some some other drills that you do it doesn't necessarily have to be incorporated with breathing but you know what are some of your like go-to drills to help people try to maintain their spine angle uh yeah i mean i, I like to do a lot of like reaching patterns you know i feel like that kind of gets them I, I think the biggest thing when it comes to early extension uh, for the majority of my clients is that um it, it's kind of almost like in that overhead squat pattern you know when we kind of look yep. at tpi's assessment you kind of seeing that i think the majority of them you kind of look from them having like a losing not having good core control and then all of a sudden their upper body kind of tilts forward a little bit and then it's kind of this like uh action to reaction right is that i'm kind of tipped forward and then all of a sudden my hips kind of go forward as a result of me trying to you know not fall over um and so i think you know anytime you can do anything that kind of gets them reaching so all of a sudden they're starting to shift back and it, it kind of works back into that whole diaphragm of uh trying to get their ribs to come to compress down and their in the pelvic floor to kind of come up a little bit um, so that all of a sudden now we kind of use, use this as a, um, it's like a pump that's kind of going up and down, right? Of trying to get tension in the right area. Um, I think that's a good thing. And then I think it also, you know, whenever you start to get somebody kind of reaching forward or getting their diaphragm to come down, I think a lot of it is that extended position with your ribs, your, your tip forward. And so all of a sudden now we, we lose a lot of dorsiflexion because our calves are just so, you know, contracted and kind of protecting us from not falling forward. Um, so for me, I think, you know, I think one of the best things we can do is, is try to get that, um, get you out of that extended position to begin with. Um, and so kind of working on your pelvic, you know, pelvic control. And then from there, I think it's, it makes it a lot easier for someone to kind of stay in their posture as they rotate through versus kind of, you know, it's, it's the action or reaction is that all of a sudden they're extended and then they're going to want to shift forward. And then it's going to cause that, that kind of jumping towards the ball a little bit. How often, uh, I'm just kind of curious, how often would you find, you know, typically that overhead squat pattern, usually if you fail, means you'll early extend, right, based on TPI stuff. How often do you find that it's actually, you know, actually tight calves versus like like you had just mentioned, like overactive calves that are just working to prevent you from falling forward? Yeah, that's about, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's a tough one, right? Because all of a sudden I elevate somebody's heels and they can squat down, right? And whenever right. you think about elevating somebody's heels, it, it kind of puts my pelvis underneath me and squats down. So it's, it's it could definitely be both. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it as, as it being both, you know, um, and that fixing one fixes the other. Right. Um, I'm just definitely curious. Tied in together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just no, curious no, because I mean, it seems very counterintuitive to, like, I understand why, 
tight calves would limit your ability or cause you to early extend if you can't squat down that much. Right. But, um, it's a hard time for people to understand that even if you do explain it to them. And then two, you're also not squatting all the way down, like bringing your butt down to the ground, essentially like you do in the test, it, like you do sure, in the yeah. golf swing. So you're not squatting down that deep. So how much, is, I mean, in my head, how much is it, how much is a tight calf limiting you? Um, is, is, I don't know, just in my head. And I was just kind of curious what you thought. You know, well, it's so interesting, right? Because you start to kind of think of, well, ground pressure, right? And then I got to kind of press down and kind of create this squat. But at the same time, it's so dynamic and that it's not this equal weight shift, right? Really. Um, and I, I mean, I, I have those same thoughts too of, okay, how much does this really play a role into it? Does it not? Um, so I think to a certain extent it does. Um, but I, I, think it's, I think it's more so of just... Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those tests where if the, if they don't have good pelvic control and they generally have tight calves already, or they have poor right. ankle mobility, I think then, then it's a high correlation. It's a super sure. high correlation. Right. Um, and so I think it's kind of breaking them down individually, but I would say normally, normally what I've seen is that if I can get, it's kind of like uh, doing like a, a hamstring test and doing like a little PNF, you know, when we're, I'm kind of pressing on it and we're trying to see, okay, is it really, is it really like a hamstring? You can't really lengthen properly. Uh, because your hip flexor is kind of inhibiting that motion or is it truly a tight hamstring? And so it's, it's a, I think it's a little bit of both for most people and that we can kind of look and see, all right, if I give you, if you have better control of your pelvis, um, does that take away some of the tone? You know, can we take out some more tone out of your hand, your calves, or can we get some more ankle mobility because of that? So it's, it's a mixed bag, I think is the best way yeah. to say it. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree. I feel like for most most people it's really not black and white right it's for the it's pretty gray for the most part and it probably is a little bit of both and we'll probably never know the true answer in the in the long run so yeah. just try try your best i guess with every person in front of you now well and you know it's funny because I, I have those same thoughts all the time too of kind of trying to you know how important is this test really and then i, I think the biggest thing is when we kind of look at people it's kind of more so of like taking them through one test um and then as we take them through another test, it's, it's either confirming or, or, you know, whether, you know, we should really put a lot of time and effort into this or not. So, right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, we're always, we're always thinking, uh, especially people who, uh, really want to take their game to the next level and take care of you. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not always easy to try and figure things out. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's like, it's like that Rubik's cube, you know, it's like, I got everything going and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I got this one piece in the wrong area and I'm like, ah, come on. Right. You start all over again. Well, too, right. It's like when you find out that you, the more that you have learned and you figure, you think you figured it out, the more you're like, now I know even less basically. Right. So it's like, <laughs> as soon exactly as you learn more, it. you're like, ah, oh, now I know even less. <laughs> yeah. That's such a true statement. It's, it's, it's always evolving and continuing to change. Um, the last thing, what, what would you say, I guess, going along that line is like, what would you say has changed most in kind of your practice in terms of working with people or golfers? Like what's something that you used to do a lot of, or kind of found yourself like, man, I don't know why I did that so much. Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I guess the biggest thing for me was, uh, normally I would get somebody in and, and kind of just ask them like, what's going on with their golf swing and, you know, just trying to get some more information and really I, I think more than anything else just kind of curiosity and 
with with tied into kind of building rapport with them. Um, but I think a lot of times when I first started, when I first got certified, um, so maybe within those like first two years, and and every once in a while my my ADD will kick in and I'll kind of do the same thing, you know, for like a couple of weeks. Um, but I'll kind of ask them so many questions about their golf swing, and then I'm trying to incorporate more movements that kind of help them with that those positions. And not that it's a bad thing, but I think sometimes I can get away from just the actual training perspective of it. And so kind of just making sure that I'm in my, my own lane and kind of saying, okay, well, like I'm more of a strength coach than I am a golf coach, right? I mean, I, I struggle with my own swing itself. Um, and so my goal is just to help them become a better athlete, right? So it's like, okay, let's figure out you know, how can we get you stronger? How can we get you moving better? Um, you know, how can we get you hurting less? And then trying to figure out, okay, based on those things, um, does that put you in a position to have a better swing? You know, and I think whenever I, I stay focused on on just the things that I'm really good at as far as like, you know, what I've helped other people with and then what I've helped myself out with and just kind of knowing that, okay, this is this is where I can best serve them versus trying to ask them so many questions about their golf swing. And I'll, I'll still ask them questions, but I just won't tie it in as much. You know, it's like, okay, we got to, we got to rotate a little bit more. That's great. You know, and, and ask them those questions. Um, and then just kind of the biggest thing for me now is just trying to explain how this movement ties into it versus me trying to figure out how can I get an exercise to tie into what they're doing. And so I think that's, that's probably the biggest change that I've made probably in the last couple of years is, is staying, staying true to my game plan. And then just, just making sure that I can explain to the client, more so of how this helps them with those positions versus me trying to fix, you know, my program around, you know, the positions that they're trying to get into. Right. Well, I think that's, that's great, man. Love it. Um, just to uh, be respectful of your time, we'll just uh, kind of almost finish up here. I just have a couple of just simple questions at the end, fun questions. Sure. Um, but what's, uh, what's the best course you've ever played? Say that again. What's the best course that you've ever played? Uh, I played um, I played the river course in uh, Kiowa with one of my clients, and that mm-hmm. place is like unbelievable because there's so yeah. much like you'll like look over to your right and you'll see like a huge alligator, and then you'll look to your left, and then there's like a crane that's like sitting like you know right next to your ball, and and there's just it's just I mean it's unbelievable place to begin with though, but uh, you just kind of see it's like it's like a nature tour out there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard I've heard amazing things. Uh, about that course, both courses. And um, next question, basically you have a risky approach shot to the green here. Are you going to go for it or are you laying up? If I'm going to go for it because I'm, I'm always trying to help my score. I feel like I can, if I lay it up, if I lay up, I could duff it. And so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be aggressive. It's like that Matt Brody, like uh, every shot counts, right? Like my, yep. My percentage is probably best being aggressive. All right. There you go. And then um, you're going to go out for a round. Who's in your dream foursome? All right. So I'll say um, I would say I just watched a documentary yesterday on Tiger Woods. So I have to put him (laughs) in there because I didn't realize like you forget how great he really was. Like it was like him chasing 82. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous like so you have to put him in there um i've become a huge phil fan lately because he's so funny on instagram so you gotta include him even though that's that tiger phil you know kind of rivalry um and i would say 
I'm a huge Cowboys fan, so I got to put my man Tony Romo in there. Nice. And I said this earlier on, on like the 18 Strong podcast. Yeah. Uh, but I'll probably have Charles Barkley because then I, I wouldn't have the, like the worst golf swing out of the group. <laughs> His golf swing got a lot better than what it was. No kidding. If you yeah. The three. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, he looked pretty good. Yeah. What was the Tiger documentary you watched, by the way? Because now I was called. It was causing. Uh, it was called uh, chasing. I think it's called like chasing greatness or something like that. But okay. it's basically like it kind of started from like his first win to like his 82nd win. And it's, yeah. and it's like, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous because he had like, like, I think they called it a slump when he didn't win in like six tournaments at one point, <laughs> like they're like, they're like, this is a huge slump that he's in right now. He's trying to dig himself out of it. And I'm like, he has won in six tournaments, but he's like, and then he ended up like winning like three in a row, like right after that. And it's just his, him just being, especially like in like the clutch, he was so clutch. A lot of those matches where it was like him hitting, like, you know, chipping one in to like send it to a playoff or he's just, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sure. Without a doubt. Uh, Any last words of advice or tips that you want to give to anyone that's listening? Um, Just about anything. Um, Yeah. Let me think. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think whenever you look at, you know, whenever you look at fitness, I mean, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with everything that's kind of on social media and just kind of everything that's kind of put out there. Um, And so I would say, you know, if you're a golfer or even if you're a coach, you know, it's so easy to kind of like think of like, okay, what's, you see something and you're like, I now got to learn more about that or I got to learn more about this. But I think the biggest thing is just trying to understand, you know, if you're trying to improve, what's the easiest way to improve like what does that look like and then from there just trying to simplify everything and just kind of dumbing it down um i think that's i think that's like the best advice that i could give anybody is just trying to figure out you know how does this how does this help me out individually and then how can i make this super simple so that i can you know actually take it into practice and apply it awesome and then last but not least what if uh if anyone wants to get in contact with you ask you some questions work with you anything along those lines how can they get in contact with you yeah, I mean, I would say the best way is, is probably through, um, I'm on Instagram a lot. And so if you can, if you go to Athletic Golf Fitness, I'm on Instagram. Um, and I'm I'm getting more and more on uh, Facebook, even though it feels like, you know, I'm talking to more of like my parents' friends on there than anything else still. Um, but I've been, I've been trying to get a little bit more uh, involved on Facebook as well. And, and I have a, a small group in there. So you can, uh, you can find me on Facebook, but mainly on Instagram. Awesome. We'll get all that linked up in the show notes. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time out of the day and uh, speaking with me. Hey, Joe. I had fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed my talk with Jonathan Avalos. If you guys have any questions about anything that we chatted about, because I do know that we got a little deep into the woods of the fitness talk and specific positions and whatnot, feel free to reach out to Jonathan or myself to clarify on some of those things. Otherwise, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and downloading. Um, I don't have anything else other than if you guys haven't already subscribed, please subscribe and uh, please share and rate and review the show if you haven't done so as well. As always, thank you so much. I'm forever grateful for having you download and listen to this show. Uh, Keep working hard. Keep striving for excellence in everything you do because when you feel great, you golf great.